Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It is Heritage Time, the New Heritage Foundation. And with us is their star, Dr. Kevin Roberts. How are you, Dr. Roberts, today? James, I'm doing great. It's always wonderful to be on your show. I love having you here, and we love having Heritage uh, become a regular part of this show, uh, the new Heritage. Now, let me ask you, Dr. Roberts, the debt. Today, Kevin McCarthy, new Speaker of the House, supposed to sit down with Joe Biden. Every news story that I see alludes to something that, yeah, the Republicans are going to demand spending cuts, but no one quite knows what the spending cuts are. It's all elusive. Nobody, And, and of course, there were these the the uh, shakedown has already begun, which is even though there was a CBO report last week that said Social Security cannot sustain itself past 2030 with the current spending levels. Democrats are already out demagoguing uh, this issue and saying that, you know, of course, Republicans want to slash your Social Security and your matter the usual stuff. So what should Republicans, what should America be looking for from this debt, this continuing debt ceiling debate? The most important thing is recognizing there's there's likely to be a deal. The, the president says he's not negotiating, but obviously he's negotiating. And the substance of that deal need to be needs to be as follows. Whatever amount of money the debt ceiling is increased by, say it's two trillion dollars, There needs to be corresponding dollar-for-dollar cuts on the discretionary spending side, starting with the egregious amount of money we have spent on so-called COVID relief. And we need to do that on a temporary basis so that on ground of our choosing, on the choosing of conservatives, that we're able to talk about the, the substantive reforms to those safety net programs that you just outlined. It's really important that conservatives avoid the trap that the, the media, obviously their friends in Congress and in the White House want to set, which is to say that just by talking about making cuts means we're going to go into some sort of default. It's not going to happen. So I think McCarthy, believe it or not, James, has actually played this really well. And, and I know that, that my colleagues at Heritage on the budget side are giving him a lot of good information, a, a lot of good guidance on how we actually win this particular fight. Well, you know, I tend to agree with you that he's playing it well. I Because here's one of the things that I, I, I didn't mention there. I think it's great that the press doesn't know what the spending cuts are that the Republicans are asking for. Because if they did, we would be subject to a nonstop campaign of horror stories. How you can't cut these particular items because you're going to hurt Sally, you're going to hurt Nana and everyone else. This is what they do. So I think keeping cards close to the vest and actually sitting down and trying to negotiate this out with the president is a good thing. It's an excellent thing, but it, it sounds to me like you've, you've seen that movie before. Oh, where, yes. Where it was, it, and, and the good news is, you know, at Heritage, for example, our, our, our great colleagues in, in fiscal policy have always issued what we call the Heritage Budget Blueprint. There's a menu of over 200 options of how we can trim the budget from from easy political fixes to really difficult ones that merit a longer conversation than a debt ceiling fight allows. And those in that category would be reform of Medicare and Social Security and Medicaid. We want to honor our promise to the American people who receive benefits under those programs, but also recognize, as you said, 
that by the end of this decade, at least two components of those programs will be bankrupt. We're just saying that McCarthy is really smart politically right now. A, by going to meet with the president, this is this is what politics is supposed to be like. This is regular order. But B, keeping his cards close to his vest. And and I would expect, I've got cautious optimism about this, James, even here in the imperial city, that we're going to get a partial policy win on this. And hopefully it's something that as conservatives we can build on for a, a fight with even bigger stakes, which is the future of the federal budget. Let's talk politics for just one second. You just said a key word, partial. You're not expecting 100% victory, everything goes your way, because that doesn't happen in a political negotiation. There are going to be some things that we don't like coming out of this. Politics is an incremental process. You don't get very often the big win all at once. And is that, and at the same time, we can't just accept that we're going to lose some of the issues that are. So how do we do this? How do we um, wrap our minds around the fact that this is a political event that's taking place, this negotiation? And then how do we gauge success? Man, that is the question of the week. It'll probably be the question of the year, and no surprise coming from you given your experience. Let me start with a caveat in case anyone in your audience doesn't know this. At Heritage, we are purists. We are idealists. We want the whole enchilada. But we also know that it has taken 70 years for the radical left to steadily but very persistently chip away at our self-governance and also at our pocketbooks. We are zealously committed, more than any group in D.C. and in this country, to returning all of that to the American people. But we also understand that it's going to take time. And so we believe, speaking to the political realities, that if, if the speaker plays his cards well in the coming days and weeks, just as he has up to this point, that what a partial victory looks like is an agreement on a, on a dollar-to-dollar agreement. If we're going to increase the debt ceiling by X, then we're going to agree to spending cuts that also amount to X. And then that debt ceiling is going to get us to some point into the next budget cycle. And in that next budget cycle, this would be the really important thing for for you and your audience to key in on. That's where we start drawing battle lines about the future of of how, how we're going to fund the government. We can start now by eliminating all of the ridiculous COVID funding, which probably shouldn't have happened to begin with in most cases, and now has become very fraudulent. There's a really good menu of options in the short term, and obviously, as you know well, a huge menu of options when we get into a longer budget conversation later in the year. I want to turn the page for a minute and just talk about the social Americas, things that are happening. We have seen once again another one of these police, uh, this was unconscionable what happened in Memphis. You have five, well now it's seven police officers that uh, are charged with not doing their duty properly. Five of them are going to face criminal charges. You have a number of EMT, EMT workers that stood around for 20 minutes after this man had the snot beat out of him. He was killed by a police beating. And we live in a society of law and order. Police officers while we do inf- respect and support law enforcement to the fullest degree possible, we do not countenance summary executions by police in America. 
What? And, and now today we got once again, Al Sharpton is is out at the funeral. There to me is always an absence of conservative voices on at the scene of these things, at the scene, directly talking to the families, directly talking to the people. How do we as a country get out of this? How can we stop this cycle? I think the first important thing is to recognize that while this kind of tragedy will almost automatically swerve into the political, that as conservatives especially, we recognize the human tragedy that it is. And it is. It's unconscionable. And you've you've heard me say in, in previous visits with you on your show how important it is to us as Americans that we honor the rule of law. When you and I have talked about that, it, it's been in reference to the southern border problem and, and immigration. The, the police brutality that was on display in a gross, tragic way in Memphis is part of the same problem, which is that our country is coming apart at the seams when it, when it comes to honoring the rule of law. That is not a domain that liberals ought to have a monopoly on, but conservatives allow them to do so. And so part of the the new conservative movement, if you will, that Heritage is not only part of, but hopefully helping to lead, is one that is very outspoken about that. It doesn't mean that we're we're raising the specter of past problems in America. We're talking about the present. We're talking about a young man who was murdered by, by cops, and we have to fix that. And so coming into the politics and policy of it, it's really important that we understand the radical left in Washington, D.C. is already using this as, as, a, as evidence, quote unquote, to advance a really radical reordering of how we do law enforcement in this country. So this issue cannot allow, to, to sum up here, it cannot be allowed to undermine some of the progress we're making with law enforcement in this country. That is all the more reason for conservatives to be really involved in speaking out about it. And I want to be one of those voices uh, with you at Heritage speaking about this to the people that need that conversation held in their neighborhoods, not on not just on radio, not in Washington, but in their neighborhoods where they can be part of the conversation, too, in, in, in the future. We have to change. And there's a responsibility on both sides here. There's all when I say both sides on all sides, because it's more than one side here. There is a responsibility for, of course, law enforcement. But there's also a responsibility that has to come from the community as well on how we how we view law enforcement and how we interact with law enforcement. These are these more time than we have here today, but I hope we can continue this dialogue. And please, uh, before you leave us, tell us how people can get involved with Heritage and help Heritage, this new Heritage Foundation, which is active, trying to help people change our lives and break these cycles that have harmed America. How can people get a hold of Heritage and what can they do to help? Thanks, James. I just want to enthusiastically agree with your point about working together on this issue. We want to do that with you and with your audience. But if someone is interested in jumping into the fight with us, they can come to heritage.org. They can see all of the work that we're doing. Yes, you will see a few pieces of evidence of of so-called white papers. But keep in mind this. Every word we write at Heritage is oriented around taking back Washington, D.C. for the American people and increasingly state capitals. So we welcome your friendship and help along the way. 
Dr. Rabbits, thank you as always. James Golden here, Bo Snerdly. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.